Hey everyone. So today I'm going to talk about sibling rivalry. Hi everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So this is a tough one. And I get, this is probably the question I get the most from parents. How do I deal with sibling rivalry? How do I manage all of the fighting and the screaming that's going on at home? So the first thing you have to understand is that it's kind of normal. I'm not to such a degree that everybody's crying and hysterical all the time. Home should be a haven. It should be a place where people feel comfortable and they're happy to come home. But there's a certain amount of fighting and struggling and strife that is very necessary. So it's important to understand that home is like, and siblings are like, it's like a playground for life. It's, it, that's where you sort of, you're learning to be heard. You're learning when to listen. You're learning how to uh, get your point across, how to hold things back. Um, there's a lot of things that siblings are figuring out with each other that are really important for life. And that's why they're kind of like puppies, just sort of all rolling around, figuring, <laughs> figuring out life. Um, it can make it really hard for us as parents, especially if it's, um, if the, if the sibling rivalry is extreme. So there's a few things that I wanna talk about. First of all, there's a lot of messages about sibling rivalry. If you think about movies and TV shows and programs that kids watch, there's this sort of um, normal presentation that this is how kids treat each other and this is how brothers and sisters treat each other and it's normal and it's kind of seen as funny in the movies, but it's actually, if you watch it, it's actually pretty extreme. You'd be pretty upset if it was happening in your own house. And this is what kids are watching a lot. And I'm not saying tell them not to watch it, but if you happen to be over their shoulder, um, watching scenes like this, just have discussion about it. Talk about it. Does that feel right to you? Does that seem normal to you? That seemed kind of harsh. Just get the kids to question that a little bit because they are really given a lot of messages around sibling rivalry that it's sort of normal and it's fine and it's funny and it's not so funny. Um, you can feel just as horrible at home if your sibling is treating you a certain way um, as if you're at school and there's a, you know, a child is being really aggressive with you at school. Um, so it really is a big issue. So part of it is normal. So I kind of do a red light, green light, um, yellow light kind of uh, measurement around this. So if it's a red light and they your kids cannot be around each other, they are screaming, they're hitting each other, they're putting each other down, they are being nasty all the time. That's red light. That's a problem. No good is happening there. No good learning is happening there. Um, that's a problem. That's a problem for everyone. Um, and to a certain degree, home needs to be a haven. Yes, it needs to be a place where everybody works things out. Um, and it is a safe place where you can be yourself. Um, but you should, kids too, you should come home and feel safe. You shouldn't come home and feel bullied or, you know, uh, unsafe or upset all the time. Um, so then there's like green light and that's where everybody's getting along know beautifully and everyone's playing nicely and there should be lots of green light moments it's not going to be like that all the time that's impossible um but you know that's sort of what we're looking for and then the healthiest range would be somewhere from green to yellow right where there's the odd fight happening a few little squabbles every day but people work it out uh kids are recovering from it uh they kind of recuperate and rebound from it so keep in mind too that with all of the connected parenting stuff that i've been talking about the whole program itself, where you're mirroring, you're connecting, you're connecting before correcting, you're using the baby play and the adrenaline play, all of those things happening in the background um, should really help so that you should see an improvement between the siblings. 
right? So when kids are feeling better and they're feeling secure and they're feeling understood and seen and heard, they're going to be less likely to be nasty or unpleasant to their siblings. So you should be able to see that as a bit of a measure. Now there will always be one-offs. There'll always be bad days. There'll be things that happen at school and they come home and acted out at home. For the most part, you should see uh, sibling behavior improving. So that's a really important thing. Um, you have to understand that through, that in, as siblings kind of interact with each other, uh, it really is normal for them to fight to a certain degree. That is where they learn um, who they are, how to be, what works and what doesn't work. And the stakes are not as high with your sibling. You know that your sibling might be mad at you, but they're ultimately your family and they're going to love you. So that's a really important thing. You don't want the expectation to be that nobody fights. That's not even normal. That doesn't happen. There's always going to be some fighting. You just want it to be in that healthy range. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about was um, the reticular activation system. So this is actually a part of the brain that's responsible for pulling data from the outside world. So, um, you know, we're bombarded with all kinds of information every day, uh, outside information, internal information. We're, you know, commissioning and decommissioning cells. We're regulating body temperature. We're breathing. We're processing our thoughts. We're processing language. We're dealing with um, fluorescent lights and conversations and all kinds of information. And our brain picks and chooses from that data field what it's going to pay attention to. Otherwise, we'd collapse from being completely overwhelmed. So it's sort of like, it's kind of like when you tag things in Google, it's like you'll tag certain things um, as relevant, as important as, as part of your belief system and something that's very relevant to you. And then your brain will pull those out of the environment. So the best way to explain this is you ask any kid um, if they think th things are fair at home. The majority of kids will say, oh, it's not fair for me. My brother never gets in trouble. My sister never gets in trouble. I'm the, I'm the only one who gets in trouble. And part of that is that's what their brain has tagged. So particularly if their belief system is I'm the only one that gets in trouble. My sibling never gets in trouble for anything. Then all day long, every time they get in trouble, that's going to get tagged. That's going to be put into their belief system. It's kind of like you think there's a filing cabinet in the drawer and they have a huge filing cabinet for how much time they've gotten, how many times they've gotten into trouble and a little bitty file folder for when their brother or sister gets into trouble. It may be happening all day long, but their brain is not tagging it. Their brain is not pulling that out as relevant information. So they don't notice it. So the first thing you wanna do is, okay, let me backtrack. Usually what we do is we say, that's not true. Uh, I, that your brother got in trouble for this and your sister got in trouble for that and they get this and they get that. Your kid's saying, oh, that's not true. There was the time I bought this for you. And what about that time? We get out our clipboard and we start trying to prove to them that their version of events is wrong. And honestly, you could have video proof. It's not going to make any difference. This has to do with the belief system. It has to do with how they've gathered data and how they've gathered information. So the first thing you want to do always when they complain, he got this and I never get that and you're mean to me and you're never mean to, before you start with all the reasons why it's not true, which is only going to invalidate them, you start with, wow, you start with the calm technique, right? You look right up and you go, that's a terrible way to feel. I, mean, I feel like I'm pretty fair, but you're walking around feeling like it's never fair, that it's always your brother getting what he wants. Fight that urge to be defensive first. Remember that mirroring is not about agreeing. It's about getting. You just have to visit their world a little bit. Just step into their world before you start giving them all the evidence to the contrary. And once you've done that, you'll see they'll really calm down or they'll become more reasonable. I guess so. And then you give them a little bit of homework. 
You said, I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to have you watch because if that's the way you feel, I really need to think about this and I need you to pay attention to this. I'm going to, I'm going to really think about this over the next few days. And then you give them a little bit of homework and you say, I want you to try to notice every time your brother gets in trouble or every time your sister gets in trouble or every time you get something and they don't try to make note of it, try to pay attention. And that's a great way to get them to tag different information and to alter their perspective of the world a little bit. Um, and just, and just increase that awareness that really does help a lot. Um, also, um, I will talk, okay, this is important. So friendship moves and friendship blocks. This is key. Now, um, siblings have this way often of talking to each other, whether it's just these put downs, all that, oh, I did that already. I did that last year. Mine's better. I did that. Like there's a lot of kind of putting each other down and minimizing and just kind of, um, I don't know, just, I call it a drop where you just, the sibling comes up and they're like, look what I did. Oh, that's nothing. I already did that. And then there's this drop that the other sibling just feels like oh, deflated. Right. And we really want to protect our kids against that. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can never let them do it. They'll, you know, adversity is in many ways, um, when it's healthy adversity, it helps them to recover and that know that people mean different things at different times. And I don't want people to freak out and think that anytime their sibling is, is not nice to the other, or any time one of their children is not nice to the other, it's a huge problem. It's just keep this all in the normal range. But you have a conversation with your kids. You can either do this all together or you can do it one-on-one. -on -one, and you explain that there are friendship moves and there's friendship blocks. So friendship move is, hey, that's really good. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I have that too. Oh, that's amazing. It's anytime you're joining, encouraging, complimenting, lifting the other person up. Um, that would be a friendship move. A friendship block is when you're literally blocking friendship. It's like, I've done that already, or that's fine. You know, I'm going first, or yeah, that, that sucks. Anytime they're sort of putting each other down, that's a drop, right? So one is a lift up and one is a drop. And instead of um, being in the car and you know, lecturing and you always do this and why are you doing this to your brother and blah, 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 blah all that stuff, because kids literally just tune us out. You've had a pre-conversation about these friendship moves and these friendship blocks. So you get in the car and you say, hey, I want to hear lots of blocks. Sorry. <laughs> We'll just fix that. Um, I want to hear lots of moves. I want to hear you guys encouraging you. I, I want to hear those moves in a car ride today. And then when there's a block, instead of saying, that really hurt your brother's feelings, and why would you say that? And no, he was in a perfectly good mood, good mood. Why would you do that to him? You say, whoa, that was a block. That was a block. I need to hear some moves to undo that block. It's cleaner language. It's not so loaded. It's a very kind of simple way to address the issues without having a whole huge conversation about it. Cause you had a whole pre-conversation about what this means. And then you can have them never have your kids individually working towards this. Cause there'll always be one sibling that gets all the points, but have them together um, working on as many friendship moves as possible, either in a drive or in an evening or you know, dividing the day up into blocks. And then together they need to help each other. Cause if you guys can do this together, then you can earn something and it doesn't even have to be a thing. It could be, they get to pick what's for dinner or they can, I don't know, be the adult for an hour within reason, of course. Um, you can make the reward all kinds of fun things. It doesn't have to be a thing. It doesn't have to be a, something they've had, had to purchase. It could be a, a special movie that they want to have on the weekend. Whatever. You, you can figure that part out, but you have them working together on it. So they're like helping each other. Like, no, don't do that. We need moves. So we want them cooperating. If they're individually competing for these points, you know how that's going to go. It's always going to be one kid getting it and the other one not. Um, you want to also remember to be using the technique with both of the kids individually. So when they've had a big blowout, 
you're going and you're using the calm technique with the one child who, who you think has been the aggressor, the one who hasn't been nice, remembering that any child who is acting out or doing something unpleasant or unkind is because they're in pain. So you connect first and then you encourage them. I know you're better than that. You're a really good person. That's not the real you. Where did that come from? Tell me about that. Why did you feel like that was the only way you could handle your brother? Where did that come from? So that you're engaging and you're connecting first. And then you lay out the behavior that you expect and the consequences if that behavior continues. And then you can talk to the other child who's been the one who was the recipient of this yucky behavior. And you can mirror to them because it's not agreeing, it's just getting. You can absolutely go into their world and say, oh, I mean, you were just sitting there minding your own business and he came and did this. It's, it's really about um, letting your child see that you've felt them, you've heard them, you've seen them in that moment, that you've really um, connected with them around what that experience was like in that moment. And then you can build them up. But I know you're strong and I, you, I know you've got this and here's some ways that you can handle your brother. Come in and ask you know, for help from me. Um, those are really important things to make sure that you're connecting with both the child who's been unpleasant and the one who's been the recipient of the unpleasantness. Um, certainly you have to get all over hitting. I talk a lot more about this in my courses. I go into tremendous detail about this um, because hitting is a really big problem and you certainly don't want to have aggression and, and um, you know, anything violent happening in your home. And you want to make sure your kids know that your home is a place where hitting doesn't happen and there'll, there'll be consequences every time. I usually do a you hit, you sit policy. Um, that is much more about making sure that that reset um, is happening every single time. Um, the consistency is actually really important and that's a, probably a different podcast, but the most important thing is to be connecting with both of your kids and understanding that this is their experience individually. And as you do this with, with each other, or as you do this with each child, you're increasing the oxytocin, you're increasing the connection, you're increasing the serotonin, you're um, flooding the brain and the body with those beautiful chemicals so that they are in less pain. And when they're in less pain, they're going to be nicer to each other. And how your kids treat each other is often a really good indicator. It's one of those things that you can measure and you can see and you can feel and counting with a clipboard, but you'll just have this trend of like, yeah, you know, they have been playing a little better lately or that car ride did go a little bit better. Oh, I thought that was going to be a whole thing and it wasn't. It's a really great way to measure um, uh, how your children are feeling and how the Connected Parenting Program is working because you should see them being um, much kinder to each other. You'll see that it'll give them sort of more um, emotional shock absorbers so that things will kind of, um, I don't know, roll off them and they're like, oh, whatever, instead of you know, being devastated. Um, the other quick thing that I just want to talk about um, is the jack-in-the-box. I can't remember if I've talked about this in other podcasts, but it's a really important one that you help your children understand that often they are um, trying to get a, they're adrenaline seeking actually when they go after each other. And it's usually during transitions or times during the day where they're getting in the car or getting out of the car or when they're tired or when they're hungry. You know, that's when you're going to see these behaviors or when they're, you know, they're playing by themselves and nobody's watching. Um, and you sort of tell them that, you know, like a jack in the box, you know, when you're turning that handle and you're waiting for the, the jack in the box to pop out. Um, it, it's fun until the pop out and then it's not fun that everyone's screaming, crying and upset. Um, but what you want to talk to your kids about is you don't want to be the jack in the box. So if you think your sibling is winding you up, the worst thing you can do is jump out of the box because when you jump out of the box, it's really fun. They get a blast of adrenaline. And you're actually showing your sibling that you're really fun to bug. So you want to talk to your kids about being really boring to bug. 
and to not have much reaction. I know this is hard because they're kids and it's, you know, you need a lot of frontal lobe to be able to inhibit this behavior. But it, when, when you explain it this way, it actually makes a lot of sense to them. And then you explain to them, if your sibling is bugging you and you're trying really hard not to jump out of the box, walk towards an adult, walk towards mommy or daddy or whoever's babysitting, whoever's grandma, who's ever with you. Don't say anything, just walk towards the adult. And the kid who's doing the bugging is the one who's gonna get in trouble. Because usually what happens is the kid that jumps out of the box that gets in trouble because they ha they're overreacting or they're screaming and yelling and they're fun to bug, which means they probably have big emotions. And it's the kid who's been quietly needling in the background that's getting away with it. And you'll hear that. You'll hear your um, kid say, you don't see what he does or you don't see what she's doing to me. And sometimes we don't, especially with really sort of overpowering dominant um, siblings. Um, that's often the only way the other sibling can actually get back at them and have any kind of power over the situation that they'll kind of needle in the background and then their sibling will blow up and then they'll get in trouble. Um, so you can also say, hey, I'm gonna be aware of this. I'm gonna start watching for this. And then if you see the other sibling kind of getting the other one going, again, always connect in mirror first, always connect before correct and say, what was that about? Tell me, you're a nicer person than that. So what was going on there? Is it because you were still mad about what happened yesterday? You kind of have this really in-depth um, lovely connected conversation about what's happening and then you lay out the behavior that that's not really fair um, and between that and the stand up for your, sorry not the stand up for yourself statement between that um, and the friendship moves and talking about the friendship blocks lots of connecting before correcting lots of adrenaline play individually you should see sibling issues improve remembering though that there's always going to be some there's always going to be some fighting and aggravation, that's sort of normal, um, but you wanna take it out of the red zone, just into that more neutral zone, because it's never gonna go away really, and it's a tough one. And the last thing I wanna say actually quickly about that is it's really difficult because um, you love both your kids, and we can get extremely protective um, if we see one child victimizing the other child, um, and that can make us kind of bias. Um, sometimes when our kids say, you never get my sibling in trouble, it's always me, we have to stand back and go, hmm, is there some truth to that? Is there some truth to that? Am I so frustrated and exhausted with that child that I really do jump to the conclusion that it's them all the time? Um, and if that's happening, you need to be aware of that and you need to make sure that you are noticing what the other sibling is doing and that you are validating to that child that you are on it and you are trying to, uh, to be aware of all the dynamics in the family. So hopefully that will help you out. This is a tough one. It doesn't really go away. Um, ends up, you end up being the the referee and the negotiator with your kids all the time, which is a lot of work, um, but hopefully this will help. So we just bring everything into that cooler zone. Hi, I'm Barrett Caleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. And don't forget to check us out on the web at connectedparenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.